This episode is dedicated to Corporal James Rose and his fiance, Sergeant Roberta Webb. You guys are in our thoughts or prayers. And we love love you. you very much. Welcome back, weirdos. Welcome back, our weird little friends. I'm Hannah. And I'm Taylor. And together we are Weird Side Side Podcast. Podcast. Well, guys, sorry about that little break that we had to take a couple weeks ago. It has been a really rough couple of weeks. And not even just for us, but it seems to have been that way for everybody. And I don't know what in the world is going on with this black cloud everywhere, but man, I wish it would go the hell on somewhere. That saying, when it rains... Wait, hold on. When it rains, it pours? Is that what I'm saying? When it rains, when it, rains it, pours. it pours. That is true. So true. That is true. I mean, life really hits you hard right, right where you're not expecting it in so many different places. Seriously. But, you know, that is a part of life, and life is full of good times, and it's full of bad times. But, geez, it's just, to me, it's crazy how it's not even just us right now, like, I know so many people who are going through some hardships right now. It's not even a blows my mind how many people are affected at whatever in the heck is going on with the vibes right now. It's unreal. I think my hero Deadpool said it best, and that is life is an endless supply of train wrecks with brief periods of happiness. That is well said. Well said. Well, today's episode, we'll be going over a couple more true crime cases from Blacksburg. We hope we did justice to the Virginia Tech Massacre case, and we hope you guys enjoyed learning more about that. And we hope we did a good job of stating the facts and going over what happened with the case, analyzing it, and pointing out things that we can learn from it. Hopefully, we can do that again for these other couple of cases that we will be discussing. We will be discussing the death of... And I do apologize if I mispronounce this name. As I've said before, I am Southern and I am horrible at pronouncing names and certain words. You want me to do it? I'm good with those kinds of names. (laughs) Well, I did look up how to pronounce it. So I would try to have a little bit of a heads up. But we will be discussing the death of Yanshin. She was a Blacksburg, Virginia Tech student. And we will also be discussing the case of the death of Nicole Lovell. But before we get into today's topics, we like to give our usual announcements and shout-outs. So going into the announcements, like we just said, it's been a very rough couple of weeks. The first thing that I wanted to bring up was the death of Ashley Nicole Ray. Now, I feel bad because I don't really remember her, but apparently she used to work where I used to work at, Highland Ridge Rehab Facility, and to be honest with you, I don't really know what happened, but this, and this is from the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office, police responded to an incident in Dublin where people reported multiple gunshots, and this was a couple weeks ago now. I believe it was on May 30th. Two bodies were found deceased when the police arrived, and two unharmed children were also found at the scene. Police said that the incident wasn't a threat to the public. So, to me, without really knowing anything more outside of that, It seems to be some kind of domestic dispute. I don't really know that for certain, and I don't know what went on, but what a tragedy. 
it makes me so sad because especially the fact that children were there, it's just so sad. I don't know how old the children were, but they're old enough to remember things, which honestly, you only have to be a few years old to have memories. Like they, they talk about some trauma right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know what happened and what they witnessed, but I do know that two lives were taken. I don't know who it was, but I think I I don't want to say this for fact because I do not know for certain, but I had heard that the male that was found was the one who shot Ashley and then himself. But again, that is not a fact, not a fact. Just, I do, just speculation right now. Just speculation, just what I've heard. Honestly, it, you know, it does matter what happened, but it doesn't matter what happened in the sense that it's still sad. I think the police are still investigating it. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any kind of trial. I'm not sure. I, I just, wow, it's just really sad. Well, our prayers go out to that family. Yes, our prayers. that they're going through and all the families that were affected. Yes, our prayers are with them. Also wanted to talk about some more personal things going on in addition to people that I directly know. So while I was at work during this really horrible week that I had, the major all of a sudden came out onto the floor and I could tell that something was wrong. And we were all informed that one of our fellow officers had suddenly passed away. This officer was Mr. James Rose, our officer Rose. He was 51 years old and passed away suddenly on June 5th. Again, I don't know exact details. This is all word of mouth and just what people are saying that they heard. I don't know for fact, but what I had heard happen was that he went into cardiac arrest and died in his sleep. But what makes this also more devastating besides just that was that his fiance, who was also a sergeant where we work at, she's the one who supposedly found him and I don't know if this is true or not, but I had heard that she was the one who initiated CPR and just, oh my God, I can't even imagine how heartbroken she must be right mm. now. I, I personally worked with him and right when I started on B Team, awesome, awesome guy. And I know there's a lot of people that agree with me on that statement. Like we would, go, <laughs> I'd go into mass control and he would make me laugh and go in there, hey Taylor, how's it going? <laughs> Hey, bud, what's going on, Rose? You look handsome today. Oh, you know it. <laughs> he just was such a nice person, a good guy. I remember when I first started working at the jail, he was still like an officer out on the floor. But then I think he retired or he quit the jail and came back later. And he was in housing control a lot. And he also, I think he had some major surgeries as well. But he was so good at master control that... I felt like a princess anytime I went anywhere because he would already have the doors open and ready for me to go. Like, can you just imagine walking down the hallway and bing, 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 like all the doors are opening up for you. He was just always watching out for you. He was good at what he did and just a genuinely good person. One might say he put the master in master control, per se. (laughs) I just, I feel so sad for Webb, his fiance who, who found him and just is dealing with this right now. I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know because they were both working there before I started working there. But I think they had been together for definitely several years, maybe 15 years. Again, I don't know that for a fact. But our thoughts and prayers go out to Webb and Rose's family. We just pray that she has some comforting and healing because, man, would it be something extremely difficult to go through. Damn right. We love you. We love you, Webb. We love you, Webb. 
Some other things that have happened and announcements. One of my coworkers, her father was rushed to the emergency room, and he's the type of person, I guess it's where she even gets it from. He does not want to go to the hospital ever, doesn't really complain of medical stuff at all, and he was asking to go to the hospital. So they knew something was wrong. Turns out they found a mass in his lung, and it just, it's just been really hard for her. I don't really know for certain if it was biopsied yet or not. I know that there was talk about possibly doing that, but there's a complicated process to get that done because he has to undergo certain like medication changes first and preparation for the procedure first, and it's just a lot, and it's I feel so bad for my coworker for who's going through that. So our thoughts and prayers are for her as well. For us, whew, y'all, please pray for your weird side podcast host because we have had it rough with our fur babies these past couple weeks too. The biggest thing that happened was my oldest, meaning my first adopted, Reese. I noticed he had been coughing and yakking a lot the past couple weeks or so, maybe a little bit longer. And finally, I got to the point where I had to take him to the doctor because one morning I woke up and he was just completely lethargic. He could barely walk down the hallway and when he did, he like flopped down on the floor and acted like he was just getting ready to pass out as far as like just from exhaustion and I just knew something was wrong. So I took him to the vet thinking that maybe he just had some kind of form of kennel cough even though he has been vaccinated for that. But I was hoping it was just something like that, or maybe he had an allergy flare-up, something like that. Figured we could just go get diagnosed with one of those two things. He'd get a prednisone shot, and we'd come home. But that's not what happened. I found out that day that Reese has a mass on his lung, and we were given around six more months with him. So that's been really hard. Yeah, it's getting a little bit easier, but kind of not really at the same time, but We found out that his mass was about 6 centimeters by 6 centimeters, which is a pretty large mass. So, that's been really tough. But right after we found the news of that, we also had an incident with Roxy. I will take this one. Our sweet little Roxy likes to get into stuff a lot. Primarily with other animals. (laughs) The squirrel incident is a good example. But (laughs) unfortunately, Roxy decided to pick a fight with a groundhog. And it did not go well for her. So, she had to spend the night in the hospital very recently after we found out about Reese. It was just one thing right after the other. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And she ended up having, I don't know how many stitches, but she ended up having to have a drain in this wound. She spent, like Taylor said, she spent overnight in the hospital. And, I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. That's how life is, you know. Yeah. And some people are animal lovers and don't really understand like a pet lover's love for their pet, and that's okay. But for us, it, it, they feel like our children. They are our children. So being told, just imagine like being told this kind of news or having these things happen to your own children, you you would probably be like pretty drained <laughs> emotionally. So that's what we have personally been going through, and we would appreciate any thoughts and prayers for our situation too and our family. And then another thing happened within these past couple weeks. So we've already talked about what we heard with Reese. Another co-worker of mine, I got a text from one of my co-workers saying that this co-worker that I'm talking about got a call and had to leave suddenly from work. Apparently they had to rush their dog to the emergency animal hospital 
don't really know what happened, but she ended up suddenly losing her dog. So this coworker suddenly lost her dog too. And geez, like it's just everybody. I don't know what is going on. Uh, if you guys have had any kind of dark cloud or things happen within the past couple weeks or just that you've personally experienced or just seen from other people and you would like us to have you guys in our thoughts and prayers, please let us know about it so we can specifically pray about it and send good vibes your way. Heck yeah, man. It's not just us. It just feels like there's a black cloud <laughs> around the world right now. And it's not just us. I mean, I know for a fact Evan, my brother Whiskey, has been going through some stuff and and it just feels like everybody's like one. Yeah, it's like, like everybody. Life is just kicking everybody in the Ass, dick yeah. right now. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know either, but it's freaking weird it's, and it I needs to go what's on. Going on. Ugh. Well, stepping outside of those announcements. Uh, I think we're going to move on to our normal shout outs. Yes. Uh, right about now. Shout out to the man, the myth, the legend himself, all the way from the Steak and Sauce podcast, Derek, Derek Nallen. Derek is an awesome guy, real chill, real laid back, and real Super down handsome. to earth. Handsome too. Yeah, yeah. He has his own show, Steak and Sauce Podcast, where he goes over life and funny stories from life. It's a really entertaining podcast. And he's just, I remember when we wanted to start our podcast, Derek was the one who we reached out to, and he encouraged us from the beginning, every step of the way. And without his support, it would have been a lot harder to get our podcast started. So shout out to Derek. I like to think of it like that episode in SpongeBob where Pearl shakes the hand of Grubby Grouper or something, and she goes, (laughs) so much talent. I'll never wash this hand again. That's what I thought when I shook it. Derek's hand for the first time. I'll never wash this hand again. (laughs) There's so much talent on it. (laughs) So shout out to Derek. We'd also like to give a shout out to my best friend Meredith for designing the logo for our podcast and our friend Logan for making his own version of Meredith's design. His design is the one that we use for our uploads, but Meredith's original watercolor design is the one that we have for our YouTube channel icon. Both are awesome. Both are sexy. And shout outs to them for designing our image. And I'd also want to give a shout out to my good friend Icarus and Holy for writing our theme song. Again, he's a really talented musician and person, but he just captures the vibe of of us. Mm -hmm, He does. I mean, our song is a banger. I'm not trying to like brag or anything about our theme song, but it's dope. Like, I'm not even going to lie. It's dope. (laughs) I love it too. We're probably biased, but. That's true. Shout out to all those people who are very talented and kindly helped us with our podcast to get it started. It would have been a lot harder without their help. But we'll go ahead and get into today's topic. We will be discussing two true crime cases from Blacksburg. The first case that we will be discussing is the death of Yanshin. I, again, have already said probably 15 times by now that I might be saying her name wrong, but it is spelled Y-A-N-G, and her last name is spelled X-I-N. When I refer to her, I'll probably be referring to her by her last name. You did a good job of pronouncing her name. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. I hope I, I didn't butcher it too bad. I hate to put it this way, but if you guys are listening, you're like, who is that? She was also the girl who was murdered on Virginia Tech campus in a pretty grotesque fashion. So who was she? She was 22 years old when she was murdered on January 21st, 2009. This is almost two years after the Virginia Tech massacre. I don't think the, the, the image of what just happened two years before had really left everybody. Because I guarantee there was a lot of students that still went to Virginia Tech. 
right. after that shoot. And then this happens. Like, that's really got to be hard. Yeah, I don't really know what the word I was trying to come, I, I, trying to use, but. Brain fart. These students just went through the Virginia Tech massacre, and that's still very fresh to them. So they're mm-hmm. going to be scarred already from that, I guess oh, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. And then something like this happens, and it just. Wow, talk about, again, we're talking about the dark cloud. Just talk about a slap in the freaking face. We're going through like a little bit of a blue period right now. Yeah. The rain cloud of sadness. Yes. But Sheen transferred to Virginia Tech from Beijing, China to study for a master's degree in accounting. Ooh. She was described as a very sweet person. She arrived on campus on January 8th, and she died within 13 days. What? Once again... I'm so tired. 13 days? 13 days. Not even two weeks? Not even two weeks. Can you imagine her family? I I can't even. I mean, she moves all the way. Well, probably not exactly, but across the world to go study for her education. She leaves her family to go do this. And she's not even in another country trying to better herself for two weeks. And she's murdered. That is so sad. That is like a, thoughts wow. and prayers go. I mean, obviously this is late, but thoughts and prayers go out. That is awful. It is awful. Just jeez, man. This next name I'm probably also going to butcher. We always try. I will attempt. But she met a man named Haying Zhu in a group on campus that included other members of Chinese students where they helped each other adjust to life on campus and particularly with new students. Because mm-hmm. uh, when you when you move directly from China to America, it's it's a Talk big a culture, like, shock. culture shock. It's, it's very different here than it is there. Yeah. And vice versa. So, so I'm going to go over the spelling of his name just so you guys are aware, but it is actually spelled H-A-I-Y-A-N-G. Last name is spelled Z-H-U. I'm also going to be referring to him by his last name, and I'm going to be pronouncing it Zoo. They all have such really cool names. I do have to say that. Like, it's just, it's just very, it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So, who was Zoo? He was a 25-year-old graduate student studying for a Ph.D. in agricultural and applied sciences. Mm. He was from Ningbo, China. Zoo had fallen in love with Xin, although they had not known each other for very long at all. Taylor, can you relate to this? <laughs> I'm scared. Okay, I fell in love with you on first sight, but this is different. <laughs> Took me months to like to even tell you, hey, I like you. Yeah, that is true. Zoo wrote Sheen a love letter, professing his love to her. In his letter, he stated that Sheen was beautiful, that he would treasure her forever, and he asked her to be his girlfriend. That's pretty quick. That was Two really weeks. quick. But I think Sheen still responded to this as politely as she could and as kindly as she could. But in her response, she informed Zhu. And by the way, she did this in person. She didn't text this or write this. She, in person, stated that she already had a boyfriend and had plans to get married. Zhu interpreted this as extreme rejection. We've already established that Sheen was described as a very sweet person so usually when you describe someone as sweet there's someone who's very nice very caring very soft-spoken perhaps someone who's not vicious someone who's not mean so you know that sheen yes she technically did reject him but we know she didn't do it with malice Yeah, she didn't do it with malice i mean hey you know again going back to the comparisons again to you and me like when you, when we first met you had a boyfriend 
Yep. We and, never and, lied and, about that. And you were you Not rejected me and you you didn't well you rejected me, but you were like, Hey, I'm sorry I got a boyfriend and I was like, Oh cool. A fiance. Okay. Yep. Boyfriend and fiance are two different levels. You know what I mean. Yes, but I'm just saying they're but two it's different same, levels. It's the same thing because like, you know, you oh I'm taken. Oh, okay, cool. Right. You know, hey, guy's got good taste. I totally understand where he's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But, you know, it it is nobody likes to well, I would assume most people don't like to reject somebody. It's not a good feeling for anybody, but it is necessary at times. Like, it, thankfully, nobody does. But if anyone had come up to me and was like, hey, you want to go out sometime? I really wouldn't hesitate. But I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm married. You, you know, know I what? She deserves props because there's a lot of people in this world that won't even reject people. They just lie and just be like, oh, and, I'm not really uh, looking for something right now. Oh, we're, we're just friends. I don't, I'm not looking for a relationship right now. And then they end up in a relationship a week later and it's like what yeah and that's also horrible to go through but another thing that people do is simply not accept their rejection which is exactly what zoo did on the morning of january 21st 2009 zoo purchased an eight inch butter knife two other unknown knives and a claw hammer butter knife yes a butter knife and an eight inch butter knife butter knife yeah yeah why was it a butter knife I don't know. Because if you were trying to Because like an 8-inch butter knife is what we have upstairs. I'm pretty sure it's a butter, butter knife. knife. Really? Yeah. Huh. Is that the weapon he used? Yeah. It had to be a machete. You would think. When we come back from break after yeah, we're done I'm talking really about ca- this case, I will go and look in my <laughs> we paperwork. We'll check on this. I'm we're like, going yeah, to fact check I'm this. Not, I'm not saying you're wrong. Like I, I never say my beautiful no, wife but, is wrong, but I have some questions because butter knife? I do notice that every time we <laughs> discuss a case and I state a fact that I found out, you always question it. You're like, I'm not questioning what? it. It just sounds, because I know the details of this case and like, butter knife? Shoot, you can't even cut a steak okay. with a butter knife. We're going to try not to start cracking up over this. I'm not making light of, this, making light of a bad funny. scenario. It's not funny, but like, I was just curious. Like That's that's weird. We're going to check this. Yeah. When we come back from the break, we will let you know what we found out. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. anyway, he purchased these weapons. And after he purchased them, Zoo called Sheen 12 times. That evening, around 7 o'clock p.m., Zoo arrived at the, again, I'm going to say it horribly, Whiskey Please let me know if I said this right, and I probably didn't. You want me to do it? <laughs> yeah. I'll try it. I, I, I'm sorry, again, if I butcher any of this. Au Bon Pain Restaurant. Actually, that was really good. A-U-B-O-N-P-A-I-N. I, a bon, a bon Pain Restaurant. A Bon Pain Restaurant. That sounds French. Or Chinese food. Maybe. Maybe. Not sure. Restaurant at the Graduate Life Center on campus. This is Virginia Tech campus, where Sheen also was. He approached Sheen, immediately attacking her. Sheen had many defensive wounds on her hands and arms. This attack happened in front of at least seven witnesses. Zoo decapitated Sheen, seemingly expressionless, the entire time. There were witnesses to this crime, and one of the witnesses specifically said that he had no emotion during this attack whatsoever. When police arrived on scene, Zoo was still holding Sheen's head. I mean, this sounds like something out of a horror movie. That is something out of a horror movie. Again, I'm thinking this person had 
problems uh, before this, and they just surfaced uh, right here. Had to have. He had to have. But who the hell? What is snap, wrong with people? To snap over a girl saying, hey, I've got a boyfriend. That's. You that's, got that's, problems. We went from zero to 60 very quickly. Uh, like, immediately. While Zoo was being held at Montgomery County Jail, he was evaluated at a mental hospital, a.k.a. he was TDO'd. Yeah. So that means that he was required by law to go get mentally evaluated. Yep. At a hospital that we've, specializes we've had, in mental we've health. Had, we've dealt with that a lot. We have. Yes, I, we have. I do work at a jail, and we have all kinds of inmates who have TDO orders. Yep. That's, how, of, me and, that's how me and Hannah met. Mm-hmm. In a jail. Yes. And some of these are legit. Sometimes they're not. But it is a thing. And with TDO orders, sometimes people can get diagnosed with mental health illnesses that they have never been diagnosed with before in cases such as that. Zoo was only diagnosed with depression, but likely he had it undiagnosed throughout his life. Zoo's mother and grandmother also have mental illnesses, predictably schizophrenia. So here we are at a family history of mental illness, and we're discovering that he likely had undiagnosed depression most of his life or for a long time, and now it's finally being caught and diagnosed. It was revealed during trial that Zhu left China very optimistic about success in the PhD program, but by the end of the first semester, he was on academic probation. Now, Zhu was not the only one. Apparently, this had happened to several other students as well. But after the semester, Zhu had mentioned to his father that he was having suicidal thoughts. And his father encouraged him to go to counseling. It was also revealed during trial that Zhu apparently had different sides. For example, a teaching assistant described Zhu as personable with good social skills. A landlord stated that Zhu behaved oddly and belligerently at times. And apparently, like some examples of what this landlord was talking about, supposedly... While Zoo had lived in an apartment or some kind of room with somebody else, he did not want the heat on whatsoever. So, like, when the roommate would come and turn the heat on, he would, like, immediately shut it off. And just, just very odd. And that is, that is very strange, i got to be honest with you. And that honestly would annoy the shit out of me. I'd be like, that is really obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But Robert Turk, the judge of the trial, even stated that Zoo reminded him of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yikes. Surprised you know, people have of, a bipolar a lot, disorder in that a lot too. Of, a lot of killers have that kind of thing where they could be one person one minute and then completely another person another minute. Ted Bundy. That, yeah. Ted hey, Bundy. That's a good example. And that's really scary. And it's also really hard to be close to people. like In my opinion, or just me personally, it's hard to be close to people like that. Because they're not really, in my opinion, people who struggle with bipolar disorder or have mood swings like that, they're kind of unpredictable. I think if you if it's someone you love, you can maybe get their habits down a little bit better than the average person, but they're still pretty unpredictable because of the fact that your moods can change so rapidly. Zoo ultimately pled guilty to first-degree murder, stating that Sheen's rejection forced him to kill her because he loved her too much. This kind of reminds me of something like, if I can't have you, no one can. And that is obsessive, and it's Obviously, someone who cannot handle rejection very well or can't handle no very well. Buddy, sometimes you just got to play your cards right. And you know what? She might be yours one day. You know what I mean? Because, hey, not every relationship lasts, okay? You stay in the game. You be her friend. 
Right. I mean, if he could have just chosen a different way to go about it. But they don't see it that way. No. And also, he did have mental illnesses that was not under control. True. He was found guilty and charged on April 19th, 2010, being sentenced to life in prison with no parole. Two weeks after the crime, Zoo was found hanging in his cell, but he did survive. So here we have a suicide attempt. He also had made suicidal comments or suicidal statements in the past with his dad. And we also found out that he had undiagnosed depression. I'm glad they got to him in time because that, you know what that means? He tried to go the easy way out. Well, I'm not going to yeah. pay for what I did. Yes, you are, sir. And some people yes, get some people get mad when people say that suicide is the easy way out. And we don't mean it to sound like an insensitive thing to say. But he took this girl's head off in school. He deserves to, to spend the rest of his life that. with nothing. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, that's a cruel crime. That's cruel. You deserve to be reminded uh, of that. Over what? Until oh, you. I'm sorry. I have a boyfriend. I met a man before I met you. I'm sorry. Fate wasn't on your side on this one. Well, let me just commit a horrible, gruesome crime. Mizzou ended up making a statement after the hearing stating, quote, I would like to offer my most sincere apology and my deepest remorse to the victim's family, the Virginia Tech community, and the Blacksburg community for what I've done. Bullshit. You beat me to it. I was going to say Bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard to say if this was genuine or not because someone who could decapitate somebody and apparently show no emotion behind it How are you all of a sudden going to express remorse and legitimately mean it if you haven't seemed like you're a type of person who has done that most of your life? Now, the Virginia Tech response, like we said earlier, Sheen's murder was the first slaying slash murder since the Virginia Tech massacre. After the Virginia Tech massacre, Virginia Tech installed an alert system to notify students of incidents immediately rather than a delay. That being said, students were immediately notified of the incident when this occurred. Remember in our Virginia Tech Massacre episode, we were talking about how we can learn from tragedies and how we were saying that Virginia Tech did do certain things to learn from the horrible tragedy that occurred. And here we are, we're seeing one of the things that they've changed and that they learned from, which is great. Virginia Tech informed 30,000 students within half an hour of this attack. That is very impressive. Very Virginia Tech provided counseling to students and faculty, and in addition to checking with Sheen's family, they even contacted the families affected by the Virginia Tech massacre. They even checked in on them, too. Good for them. They're doing a really good job out here. That is a good job. That, that's, that's, that's really good to them. I'm so glad to hear that. Sadly, from the Virginia Tech massacre, it was a huge tragedy, but I'm so glad to hear that good things have come from it. Somehow, some way. What I think this boils down to overall, rejection sucks, and apparently it makes you do some pretty crazy things if you don't get a good handle on it. Let's face it, everyone is going to get rejected on something at some point in their life, and it sucks. No one likes being rejected. Nobody likes not feeling good enough. But there are going to be times in your life where it's going to happen, and as sucky as it is, I think it's normal. And it's normal to not like rejection and it's normal to be upset about rejection but it is not normal to hate rejection so badly that you go and decapitate somebody not normal and keep in mind this was this is he didn't even really know her 
That that is another thing that he blows my mind. He didn't. He didn't know, know her, her, but like hardly, not even a month. Because remember, she died less than two weeks before she moved over here. And he was just being selfish. Very selfish. Well, I think it all boils down to you. You said oh, with the overall message. You know, you know what I think it is. Mental health. Mental health needs yep. to be addressed. Here we go again. Undiagnosed depression. Family history of depression. Yep. Suicidal comments. Suicidal attempts. Those things are not normal. And you were right. Everybody gets rejected, okay? I am an average-looking man. I have been rejected lots of times. But you know what? You bounce back. You know what that means? That either means God does not want you to walk down this door. Or he doesn't want you to go down this path yet. You know, because it might be closed now, but it might not always be. You know, you never know. Right, we never know. Maybe if he wasn't a sociopath, which, okay, he has not been diagnosed as that. Not diagnosed as a sociopath. But if he wasn't the type of person he was, you know, maybe, maybe like Taylor said earlier, maybe Sheen and the man she was engaged, she was getting ready to marry because she wasn't a relationship and she was actually planning to get married to him. Maybe something would have fallen through with that. Or maybe, I mean, there's, you just said there was. 30,000 students notified yeah. at Virginia Tech. Yeah, there's more fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I'm not trying to make light of this tragedy at all, but it shouldn't have had to come to this. Absolutely not. And her life should not have been ended like this. It's a shame. But like you said earlier, being rejected... Can you say that again? <laughs> being rejected sucks. It's no fun. And most people that I know of do not like feeling rejection. It's normal, but what is not normal is having homicidal thoughts and acting out on those thoughts. You gotta have you, you gotta it. have a acceptable approach to, to you know. Most guys are pretty good about it. I mean, most people get rejected a lot, so it's like, eh, well, I'll move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, as we mentioned in the Virginia Tech Massacre episode, if you need to reach out to anybody for mental health, it the options are there, with or without health insurance. You can get help. Damn right. Check out our resources on the Virginia Tech Massacre episode in the description if you would like to learn more for seeking mental health help. But we're going to go ahead and take a local business shout-out break, and we shall return shortly. Take a walk on the inside. Do you enjoy supporting local businesses? I know I do. Well, I do too, and hopefully you guys said yes as well. So if you do, we have a couple local businesses that we would like to give a shout out to. You guys have heard enough about them, I'm sure, but here we are giving them a shout out again. Our first business that we want to give a local shout out to is Grace Upon Grace Creations. Grace Upon Grace is an online boutique, but she makes anything your heart desires. My favorite thing is the car senses. I mean, absolutely my thing. They do personalized t-shirts. For ladies out there, whatever you're liking, dog mom stuff, whatever your heart desires, they can do it for you. Yes. Now, I have not seen any dog mom merch yet, but I know that it might be a possibility. They do have a lot of cute t-shirts for lifestyles. That's what I was trying to say. Especially for, especially for moms. But, but she also has some really cute earrings and jewelry. She is expanding even more in her clothing. I even saw over a month ago, I believe, she started to sell slippers and shoes that are just like, hey dudes. So if you enjoy supporting local businesses, give her a check out on Facebook. I will post the link to her Facebook group in our description. Now, 
processing times and orders have been behind a little bit. She is a full-time mom and a full-time worker and she stays pretty busy. So just know that if you do order from them, it might take a little while to get it. But if you check out her page and see something that you like, if you message her your order and use the code word WEIRDSIDE, you will get 15. That is 1-5% off of your order. Our next local business that we want to give a shout out to. I want, I want to do this one. I want to do this one. Is? Sugar and flour. Oh, we love it. The heart and soul and taste of, of Giles County. Yes, Paris mm-hmm. Listen, they are doing, they've got a new thing going on. Okay, we just saw it the other day. Nutella waffles. We actually had one last week. Girl. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was so good. I mean, absolutely amazing. Pretty soon, summertime is coming up. They're going to be having their s'mores. Cold brew Ooh, is going to be returning, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, you know, if you like the classics like I do, salty caramel cold brew. Get it. You get that every Worth time. Worth your money. You get that every time. Oh, you know it. And the s'mores cold brew, that is one of my favorites. So I'm very excited that that is coming back. So after you've got your 15% off your Grace Upon Grace purchase... You go down to Sugar and Flour, tell them Taylor and Hannah sent you. Get you a treat. Get you a treat. You deserve it. You've worked hard. She's got cold brews, fraps, teas. She's also got puppy chow, cookies, all kinds of sweets and treats. And she also does breakfast and lunch items. Mm-hmm. Treat yourself, girl. It's totally worth it. You won't regret it. And again, that is Sugar and Flour. We'll go ahead and get back to the show. Take a walk on the inside. Well, welcome back, weirdos. I was so thirsty during that, I went and got a drink from Sugar and Flour. And you didn't even get me one. You didn't look like you wanted one. <laughs> I'm just, I'm I just know kidding. better I than that. You I got you puppy chow. I was going to say, I know I'll better just get than you that. Puppy you puppy chow. You the puppy chow. You always think of me when you go to Sugar and Flour. Dang 99% right. of the time. <laughs> There's that 1%. I think you're not perfect, but it's close enough. That 1%, but that's okay. <laughs> 1% represent. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, we did do that fact check on our previous case we discussed, and I am embarrassed to tell you that I was incorrect, and I'm sure you guys have been scratching your heads like, what? Just like Taylor was. The weapon was not an 8-inch butter knife. It was a butcher Freaking autocorrect when you're typing out that thing, just automatically just, I, I, yeah. I totally get it. And no, lo- we, were not, we were not making fun of that scenario. We just went back. I just, when you said it, I was like. Something doesn't something doesn't sound right. And then right. I was thinking about I'm like, dang, you can't even cut yourself with a regular butter knife. Exactly. A small one. Exactly. No, it's a butcher's knife. That yeah. makes tough. So sense. it was a butcher knife and like Taylor said, we are not trying to make fun of this situation. There is nothing funny about that case. We just wanted to be honest about my oopsie poopsie. So this next case was actually shout out because it was recommended by Corbin who is an officer where I work. He is also the brother that we discussed, the family member that had passed away. We were discussing him in our last couple of episodes, but Corbin is a good man, really blunt, really funny. One day he came into the medical department and he asked what I was doing. And I had a few minutes of downtime. So I told him that I was brainstorming some ideas for some future episodes. And I started to talk about local crime cases. And I, at the time, we were getting ready to do the Virginia Tech massacre, I believe. And he said, oh, 
you should totally do this case. And then he told me about this case, and then it slowly reminded me that I had heard of this case, but I didn't know much about it at all. And he was very strongly, obviously, I don't think he knew these people, but he was he was pretty passionate about this. So shout out to Corbin for giving this recommendation, but the death of Nicole Level. Now, I do know a good bit about this case, and the only reason I do is because I remember it very well very vividly actually so this was when i just moved up to virginia mm-hmm. yeah like just moved to virginia yeah see i've lived in virginia my whole life so a lot of this stuff i do remember so the reason a lot of this did impact especially a lot of people that i know and especially me i do have a family member that knew this girl this poor girl the victim because mm-hmm. they went to school together That's unfortunately so and to blow your mind even further we, me and Hannah, <laughs> went to go get coffee today at Cookout. You know where they planned the murder at? That okay. cookout that we went to today. In Blacksburg. In Blacksburg. Good That's coffee. so haunting. They sat down at a table and planned out the murder of this girl. Inside. That's so funny. That is so sinister. And I remember watching some news uh, stuff, especially about the girl for some reason. The case on tv because of the girl how could a girl murder somebody she's part of the frozen club at at virginia tech that doesn't mean she's not a murderer i mean that exactly i was in there they were talking like how could she do this she's she's part of the frozen club um, um do you know how many people say that about brutal murders that can't be it they never would do something like that look again ted bundy like we mentioned earlier he seemed like a model john wayne gacy they seem like model citizens mm-hmm Mm-hmm. The last person you think of who would commit brutal, horrible crimes, and here we go. There's a whole different side to them that nobody saw. Mm-hmm. And I do also remember the dad to this little girl went on Dr. Phil and was talking, and I don't remember it going very well. So Nicole Lovell was 13 years old when she was murdered on January 27th, 2016. Nicole was born with liver issues, and she was taking anti-rejection medication for her liver transplant, which was an essential medication. Now, I've mentioned earlier that I work at a jail. Part of my job description is passing medications out to inmates. There are a few medications at our jail, policy-wise, that are that we consider no-miss medications, meaning... If we don't have this medication physically in our pharmacy, we better be finding a way to get it ASAP. And anti-rejection medications are on that short list of no mismeds. So these are very important life-sustaining medications. Nicole was described as a girl who touched many people and loved pandas, music, and dancing. However, Nicole was reportedly bullied in school and felt sadness from that. She also struggled with feelings of loneliness, felt like no one truly cared for her, and she did suffer from suicidal thoughts. She had a desire to find love and attention. She began chatting with people on an app called Kik, K-I-K, which I'm sure some of you have heard, which was an instant messaging app with reportedly little parental control, access, or supervision. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something I do want to get into. Like, really bad about that. Educate us. You want to go ahead and do it right now? You want to talk about kick? Th- this is this talk is. About it's not necessarily about kick. It's about apps in general, Discord, Twitch, stuff like that. 
they don't have very good parental guidelines anymore. Obviously, it says you need your parents' permission to use this app. What kid is going to ask their parents to use this app? Realistically, I, none. No, none. None. So you have all these 13-year-old kids that are signing up for these these apps, and they're getting on there. And child predators, specifically, and are, in this case, murderers, are using these apps to get to these kids. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's a because, recipe for disaster. Because, because these apps are saying, well, we use the you have to ask your parents permission where our hands are clean well these apps have to know that kids are not asking their permission seriously what what, honestly a kid in this age is going to look at their parents go can you can i use this app most kids most kids are not going to do that you just do it when i made myspace i was there was a requirement for myspace you had to be x amount years old i can't remember Mm -hmm. but i was not at that age and i just lied about my birthday and made a myspace and I, i was like exactly 12 years old that's i I mean that's a real problem facing our generation and our kids generation right now is bad people pedophiles murderers people with bad intentions are using apps to target children and so you mentioned that discord was another one because i don't hear about kick very much now anymore Um, it, it died down because you know they come and go you know obviously myspace went you know h1 has their time Kick, I think, is what down in use, but it's essentially they're just almost the same thing with like different twists. But you're you're giving kids the ability to message strangers all over the internet with no parental guidance whatsoever. Some even say they're for children and there's porn on them. This we is a really big problem that, that we're we? facing right now. What website was that? We saw a video on that. What? That was Kick. That what? Okay. That was oh kick. my gosh! So this is like the worst, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But you mentioned Discord. I know Discord's a popular one right now. But again, this was a 13-year-old girl that was being faced with loneliness and bulliness. And unfortunately, she was looking, went on kick, went on kick to look for friends and put the trust in the wrong people. Yeah. And it's half, you know, the murderers. But it's also who was watching her doing that and kick for not having any parental guidance. Exactly. I mean, how piddly is that saying you have to ask your parents permission, click yes if they – that's just like going to certain – you have to be 18 to view this site. Are you 18? Yes? Okay, come on. You can – Yeah, no, right. Well, no some some that. websites do make you actually like prove it. Some, not how a lot. Like, probably not, not a lot. Not a lot. But, again, this is a very big problem that we're facing right now. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. Listen to how haunting this is, though. Mm-hmm. On Kick, it was there that she began talking to a user named Dr. Tombstone. How freaking spooky is that? Mm, sorry. Dr. Tombstone was also known as David Eisenhauser. David Eisenhauser was an 18-year-old freshman at Virginia Tech majoring in engineering. He was described as someone who was a good student, made straight A's, and was that high school track star. Mm. But some people also called him cocky and clearly did not have an understanding or concern over chatting with underage children. Eisenhauser originally claimed that he only met Nicole once in person and that when he realized how young that she was, he left her alone. Okay, first of all, predators don't work that way. Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit. He also said that the only time that he met her was also the night that she died. Which also does not make him look good at all. Wait a minute. So he just said the only time he ever met her, he left her alone. But then he said he the only time he ever met her was when she died. The she night died. she died. 
How stupid. You left her like you just contradicted Dumb yourself. Motherfucker. Right there. You just contradicted yourself. Fucking lie. I just gosh, I can't stand fucking lying. Like I know that lying is something people do all the time, but jeez, like you're so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Oh, uh, if you're if you're gonna try to clear yourself from this crime, don't use the night that she died as the only time you met her. You dumbass. Huh. Anyway, this statement was proven to be a lie. Shocker. Via evidence from Nicole's KIK Kick account. According to those records, Nicole and Eisenhower have met at least once before, before she was murdered, and that they likely were physically intimate during that occasion. They have been chatting on kick for months. Now, again, in case you didn't catch it, Eisenhower is an 18-year-old college student, and Nicole is a 13-year-old school student. Some people be like, well, yeah, but that's just a five-year age difference. It does not matter when you're talking about somebody underage. Legally underage, it does not fucking matter. And that is my opinion. You can feel free to disagree. It's fine. We're all entitled to have our own opinions, but fuck that bullshit. On January 27th, 2016, Nicole Lovell was reported missing by her mother. Her mother found Nicole's bedroom empty with a dresser pressed against the door and the window open. Her mother also stated that Nicole had also taken her favorite blue blanket. Her mother states that she found out later that Nicole told a couple of her friends that she was going out on a date before she went missing. Her mother knew that Nicole had social media, so she already had an idea or fear that Nicole may have been going to meet someone online. Now, as a parent... I can only imagine how horrifying this realization was, especially since, like we said earlier, there are so many predators in the world and so many of them use the internet to target and hunt down innocent children. On January 30th, 2016, Nicole's body was found nude. The autopsy revealed that her neck had been slit and stabbed 14 times. Her body was found in North Carolina off of Craig Creek Road, about 90 miles away from Blacksburg. The location where she was found was also close to where Eisenhower's grandfather lived. Oh, but remember, he only met her one time and then left her alone once he realized how old she was. Bullshit. Oh, yeah, and also that night only happened to be the night of her murder. And, oh, yeah, where she was found at was also down the road from his grandfather, but no, oh, I I left her alone after that. I didn't do anything. Bullshit. On January 30th, 2016, which is when Nicole was found, David Eisenhower was arrested by Virginia Tech Police Department. I have also just realized that I have also had typos in my notes and was saying Eisenhower and it's Eisenhower. Y'all, I'm sorry. I have really butchered some essential facts and details. In these episodes, I apologize. Damn you, autocorrect. Like I said (laughs) earlier, I have had a rough past couple of weeks, so I apologize. It is David Eisenhower, not Eisenhauser. Montgomery County Police Department, Radford PD, Virginia Tech PD, the Virginia State Police, and the FBI all worked together to lead to this arrest. DNA of Eisenhower was found underneath Nicole's fingernails, and bloodstains were found connected to him as well. That is a big one when it comes to victims. If anyone's ever attacking you, scratch them. Yes. Because their DNA is under your fingernails. And that also tells me, from what little knowledge I do know about forensics, that Nicole was fighting. And she was fighting. She tried her best. I really hope she did not suffer, but we can tell by this evidence that she was fighting. Yeah. 
They also found a shovel and cleaning supplies that were found in Eisenhower's trunk. On January 31st, 2016, so a day after Eisenhower's arrested and also the day after they found Nicole, 19-year-old Natalie Keepers was also taken into custody. Blacksburg Police Department stated that Keepers helped Eisenhower dispose of Nicole's body. Nicole's blue blanket and her bag were also found in Keepers' dorm. You guys may be thinking, who the hell is this person? Where did she come from? So I'm going to be straight up honest with you guys. I honestly do not know what her exact connection with Eisenhower is. I assumed she was she had a romantic interest of, in him in some way. Mm-hmm. But I did not for sure find out how she is connected to him or what how she got brought into this. Do you know? I think maybe they both uh, just wanted to do a very bad thing, and that was the only thing that they had in common. It could very well be the case. So what really happened to Nicole? Nicole and Eisenhower began a friendship and relationship via kick. We've established that. So they have instant messaged each other for months over this app. On May 4th, 2016, Eisenhower had been texting a man in Pulaski. I don't know who this man was or what his connection is to him, but he had been texting this man in Pulaski asking him to find an area to hide a body. Now let me pause right here. If someone messaged me, Regardless if they were my friend or not, said Hannah, do you know a place where I can hide a body? Some red flags and alarms would be going off. Definitely. But then, you know, some people might just be like, oh, they're just joking. There is nothing funny about that shit. No, it's not funny. But then, you know, I can't say that, like, not everybody's going to think the same way because not everybody does. But, you know. Even people that I really can't stand and despise, I don't ever joke about murdering them. Exactly. That's... Maybe that's just me, but that's what's morbid. So somebody messaged me asking about where to hide a body. I would probably, I would probably notify the police. Absolutely. Yeah. At some point before the murders, Eisenhower had also asked another friend for advice about, quote, a girl. In retrospect, this friend, whose name is Bryce Dustin, stated that he strongly suspected that the girl was Nicole. Eisenhower told Justin that he was talking to a girl and found out that she was underage, but that the girl still wanted to be with him. He expressed concerns that she would expose him if he wasn't with her, and she was worried about being outed for being with an underage girl. Dustin's advice, quote, if she wants to be your girlfriend, you know, you let her, but don't be the greatest boyfriend. Just like, don't text her. Just ignore her. She'll go away. Dustin, no offense, but dude, what kind of advice is this? Just be a man. Just be like, I can't have this conversation. Be the with adult. You. Be the adult. This, obviously, this is a predator we're talking about. But under normal circumstances, if you are the adult here and you have an underage, if a child having a crush on you and wanting to be with you, wanting to be boyfriend and girlfriend, as the adult, you step in, you put an end to that, and you explain how that is inappropriate. You don't have to be a straight up asshole about it. But you're the adult here. So this friend's advice of just, well, just let, you know, just treat her real bad and and then she'll eventually get the point. That is just so fucked. It's so fucked. After the murder, the police also found searches on Eisenhower's computer where he was making searches for things like drugs to kill somebody and how to get rid of a body. What a dumb ass. But once again, forensics here. Oh, I love it. It's so stupid. Footage from Walmart on January 26, 2016 shows Eisenhower and Keepers purchasing a shovel and cleaning supplies. 
So this was confirmed on security yep. footage. Eisenhower and keepers picked up Nicole, essentially kidnapped her, and took her out of state. They murdered her. The motive still is not really clear. Now, this is not, I don't know if this has been confirmed or not. This is just what I heard. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So don't take this with a grain of salt. I heard that they both just decided they wanted to kill someone. Like, that's what they had in common. And then they just like, it just so happens he happened to be talking to this 13-year-old girl. And they picked her to be the perfect victim. That's just so horrible. And the reason I think they picked her to be a perfect victim, and again, take this with a grain of salt. This is only what I heard. I don't know if this is fact. I just want to stress that. What I heard was that she told him over kick that she was not very either close to her family or some of her family. And some of that might be true just on the fact that they didn't check her kick, but maybe not. You never know. Kicks, I mean, apps are evolving every day, Mm -hmm. Um, but that her relationship with her parents weren't very good and that maybe they thought no one would miss her and they were wrong Mm -hmm. because obviously people did care about her, but that's just, that is just what I heard. I don't know if that's true. I had also seen something else as a possible motive. I don't know if I included it in here because just because it's just not proven for fact Mm -hmm. and I don't even think it was proven, but saw something about Eisenhower had fears that she might have been pregnant or something like that. And he obviously was really worried about people judging him, which rightfully so, judging him about being with an underage girl. Because you know it's wrong. And yeah, people are going to judge because it's just not acceptable. It's not socially acceptable. It's not morally acceptable. So I wonder if he killed her just for those reasons alone, too. Who knows? Then why would the girl get involved? That's what I was saying. I think... Did she want to be with Eisenhower? Did she have a crush I, on him? I think they both just wanted to kill somebody. Just for the, the rush, the sensation of like, wow, we did this. That's awful. Like, that's awful, but I mean, people do it. And Keepers also was said to have some mental issues as well. I mean, clearly, but some like delays of some kind where she, mm-hmm. like, I think her lawyer tried to argue that she just had logical reasoning issues, but I don't think you have to have in technological reasoning skills to know that murder is wrong. Again, my opinion. Originally, Eisenhower stated that he did not kill Nicole. What a shocker. Keeper stated that Eisenhower picked up Nicole at her house, which Nicole is in Nicole's house, drove her to the woods and stabbed her to death. After going to Walmart to get cleaning supplies, once again verified by Walmart security cameras, they disposed of Nicole's body together. Keeper states that when he killed Nicole, when Eisenhower killed Nicole without Keepers committing the murder, just assisting, Eisenhower had no emotion. She says, quote, he became a sociopath. She's trying to pass the blame off to Lakers and make herself look better. But again, you helped him dispose of a body. You're just as guilty. She also states that Eisenhower worried that Nicole might be pregnant before he murdered her, but this is not confirmed, which was what I was saying mm-hmm. earlier. On June 26, 2018, the jury took just over one hour to reach a verdict of guilty for both Eisenhower and Keepers. Eisenhower is charged with first-degree murder, abduction, and concealing a dead body, and was sentenced to 50 years with no possibility of parole. He is currently serving his time in Red Onion Prison in Pound, Virginia. Should have got life. 
Keepers was charged with accessory before the fact of a murder and sentenced to 40 years in prison with no possibility of parole and is currently serving her time at Fluvanna Correctional Center in Troy, Virginia. Where I work in a jail, I have heard of these facilities many times. We actually have a lot of female inmates. When they get transferred to prison, Fluvanna is where they go. I know Red Onion. And Red Onion is like one of the worst. It's hard. It it is a super max and it is hardcore. There is a good documentary about Red Onion Prison on YouTube. All you'd have to do is just search Red Onion Prison documentary. We can even link it in the description if you'd like to check it out. But it is a intense prison. Like the worst of the worst are at this prison. People who have committed really horrible crimes and also people that there's just no hope for restoration. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you guys the statements. Uh, This first one is from the guy, Eisenhower. I can already hear the bullshit. The bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for for the pain my actions have caused Nicole's family. It is my deepest regret. I am aware my actions have have consequences. Nothing can ever undo what has been done. And for that, I am deeply, sincerely, forever sorry. This last statement is from Keeper, the female. I wish I could have stopped him. I never intended for this to happen. Bullshit on both. Bullshit on both. They planned this out. This was not something to spur of the moment. They sat. Premeditated. You're only sorry because you got caught. That is the only reason that you're sorry. Because I guarantee if they hadn't got caught, they wouldn't be sorry. I can promise you that. And here's no. And here's another thing. If Eisenhower was so sorry, why is he at Red Onion? Red he he's, he's sorry he got caught and is trying to make himself look better. He's an evil man that took advantage of a child. And it, AKA it, and a predator. Uh, AKA a predator. And she is just as, just as guilty because she helped plan it. She may not have been the one behind the knife, but she was a driving force behind that knife. You know what kind of spooks me a little bit? Uh, looking at the mugshots of these two. Okay, can, can I look at them real quick? My opinion, Eisenhower just looks like a predator. And that may be mean to say, but I'm just being honest. To me, he just looks like a predator. And Keepers? She doesn't look all the way there for me. She does not look all the way there, but she kind of reminds me, and we can do a future episode about this case, but have you guys heard of that case in Radford that happened a few years ago? That's exactly what I was thinking. She looks just like like her. We could possibly do another episode on that case, but... Better. Yeah. And Louisa Cutting, y'all, I met this inmate in person, and I had direct contact with this inmate. So, we might need to do an episode on that one. Dang right. Talk about that more. But yeah, she looks just like Louisa Cutting. Mm -hmm. It's just so sad. It really is. And and I wanted to, I wanted before we wrap up, I do remember sitting down and watching the Dr. Phil episode where her father went on and was talking to Dr. Phil about what happened. And I don't remember everything that they discussed, but I do remember her dad going on there and be like, my daughter fought for her life. And they actually showed those mugshots on the TV. And she's like, do you see that scratch? You see this? My daughter did that. She was a fighter and there were no scratches on their faces. It was her hair. And I also remember people being very criticizing him because, again, I don't know if this is true or not. So take it with a grain of salt. I heard that her dad was not in her life and he was taking advantage of this moment to go and Dr. Phil. 
I don't know if that's true. And if it isn't true and he is a good father, I'm sorry for saying that. That's just what I heard. I think that was confirmed because I did not include that in my outline, but I did recall reading that throughout my research and almost every single article. Mm -hmm. He also, not that this has anything to do with your ability to parent, but he also, I think, had spent some time serving in prison or jail, Mm -hmm. one of the two. But I didn't mention that because, you know, I didn't. And if we are wrong about any of that, we're sorry. Uh, that's just what we heard. We don't know if it's true. But it's just so sad because both of these these murderers were students at Virginia Tech. Eisenhower was an engineering major. I'm, engineering is like life. one of the hardest things I've heard of. So much potential. And they seemingly were so smart. And to be so smart and to have a potentially good future. To be so smart and so dumb. Just, oh, that's something that... I think is one of the harder things to accept when people are capable and have opportunity or on the path to doing good with their life and they choose evil. Mm -hmm. And again, if we can take anything away from this and that is check your kids phones. Yeah. You can be trusting, but again, and we're not blaming her mother. No, we're not blaming them. No, 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 no. This is not what we're saying, but predators are adapting. They are doing this to, to, get to your children in ways that they didn't do before. Because I remember when I was a kid, it wasn't like this. Well, apps weren't a thing when we were kids, and now they are. Now we have a generation of kids that are growing up with apps where random people around the world can just message you. Mm-hmm. And who are they going to target? But kids. Children that don't have good home lives or seem to not have good home lives. Have personal issues. And have personal issues. And unfortunately, Nicole was one of those people. Yeah, I mean, you can go in these anonymous chat rooms and talk to whoever you don't know. You can talk to any stranger that's in that chat room. You don't know who they are, but sadly, a lot of them are predators. And I'm not saying don't trust your kids, but things, the world is changing, and we need to be prepared, especially if you have young children, of the dangers of apps and social places on their phones. Kick, Discord, all these things are changing, and you need to be prepared for those things. Yeah, very, very sad. Did our family member ever talk about her experience with Nicole? I don't remember. It's been a long time. I do remember she knew the girl. I don't remember if she was really they were close. Or anything. Really close. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Yeah. We're almost coming up on like the eighth anniversary of that. Eight years ago. Oh, my gosh. Eight years wow. Ago. Time really does fly. Time does fly. Mm. Well, guys, we hope in discussing these cases that we could educate people and that we could highlight on some takeaways from them, from what we can learn. If you guys have any topic suggestions, please send us an email or drop us a comment. Let us know. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. And as always, I'm Taylor. And I'm Hannah. And we are Weird Weird Side Side Podcast. Podcast.